Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Um, Dallas, more properly, Frisco, we finally made it. <laughs> nice to um, see you guys virtually, kind of. But we did have a tough time getting over here, but we made it. So praise God. We we're in my sister's house and uh, way north in Dallas, for you guys who know the um, states or in Texas. And we'll be here a few days enjoying a little fellowship. Today is Renee's birthday. So happy birthday, Renee. And uh, she is like 35 now or something, somewhere around there. But it was uh, where we had a wonderful dinner last night. We had a fun dinner with family here. It was, it was really fun. My sister had a lot of fun. So with, um, with that, let me turn over to a couple of bad dad jokes before we get going. In the reading this morning, <laughs> these goofy ones later, uh, yesterday, some, and I said, <laughs> this was goofy. I was wondering why the Frisbee kept looking bigger and bigger. And then it hit me. What did the daddy buffalo say to his son when he left for work? Bye, son. Two guys walked into a bar. The third guy ducked. That one I like. All right. So this morning, we are going to get going, as you can see, in Psalm, Psalm 73, 78. And again, these, um, these are all Psalms. Interesting they put these Psalms during this time period. We're reading, reading chronologically. So this is, would be supposedly in the time frame of David, King David, during this time. This is a Psalm of Asaph. Asaph wrote a number of Psalms, a beautiful Psalm writer. So let's pray and we will get into Psalm 73 this morning. Father, thank you for, this, for bringing us together. Thank you for um, bringing Renee and I safely here to, to the Dallas area. I ask that you bless our time in the word. And thank you, God, for just giving us your word and giving us the ability to read it, to understand it, and then apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm of Asaph, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant as I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there, was, for there are no pains in their death, and their body is fat. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. The garment of violence covers them. Their eye bulges from fatness. Their imaginations of their heart run riot. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high. They have set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue parades through the earth. Therefore, his people return to this place, and waters of abundance are drunk by them. They say, how does God know? And is there knowledge with the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, and always at ease. 
They have increased in wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands with innocence, for I have been stricken all day long and chastised every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream when one awakens. O oh Lord, when aroused, you will despise their form. When my heart was embittered, I was pierced within. Then I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel, you will guide me and afterward re receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart will fail, but God is in the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. So there in Psalm 73, we have this powerful confession of a psalmist who is honest as how he sees the world from his vantage point as a human being that the righteous seem to flourish and, per and, and not perish. They seem to flourish and, uh, and be blessed in one sense in our vernacular for all of their misdeeds and their evil ways. And they don't seem to pay the price while those who are righteous and those who are pure before God seem to suffer. And it doesn't seem fair. It seems like, well, why bother? Why even try? Until, he says, he goes into the sanctuary of the Lord. Until he starts looking at life through the perspective of God's eyes. When he comes into the presence of God in worship. And he starts thinking, wait a minute. There's way more to this world than the physical. There is an eternal God. There is an eternity. There is a life after this life, which is... <laughs> Eternal. It's so much greater, so much longer, so much more real than our present life. He says, when I stop to consider that, that God is my dwelling place. There's no other one in heaven but him. There's no other point to life than him. Then I realized that these people that have it all now and are fat and happy and don't seem to pay the price for their sin are but for but a moment. And he says, it's like awaking from a dream. We hear that a lot. And it seems people even have... Uh, at death experiences where they died on the operating table. And they've, they've often described it as waking from a dream. And of course, in the Bible, in the New Testament, Jesus himself spoke of death as sleep. That's all it is to the believer. We, we fall asleep. We lay our body down and our soul sleeps. But for a moment, it's not soul sleep. We, as soon as we uh, die here, we wake up. In heaven which is eternal and there we find out that all the wickedness and all the evil that was done on earth has a price that they will become judged that they're not there that they have to pay the price 
ultimately for that sin and the rebellion against God. Very sad, but it is comforting for those who have gone through so much, so much pain and suffering. You think about the Christians that are thrown in jail and the Christians that are suffering for their faith in these countries and just the unfairness what's going on in the United States and the, the way that the um, unrighteous seem to thrive and oppress and um, beat down and incarcerate those who are pure before God and moral. So there is, there is an equaling, there is a judgment, and there is a reality to the life that we live here on earth that is going to be carried over into the eternal and into our next life. Choose wisely. Psalm 73, a recalling of God's mighty deeds for the choir director according to Jaduthan, a psalm of Asaph. My voice rises to God and I will cry aloud. My voice rises to God and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. In the night, my hand was stretched out without weariness. My soul refused to be comforted. When I remember God, then I am disturbed. When I sigh, then my spirit grows faint. When I've held my eyelids open, I am also troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old the years of long ago. I will remember my song in the night. I will meditate with my heart and my spirit ponders. Will the Lord reject forever? And will he never be favorable again? As his loving kindness, has his loving kindness ceased forever? Has his promise come to an end forever? God has forgotten to be, has God forgotten to be gracious? Or has he in anger withdrawn his compassion? Then I said, it is my grief that my right hand, that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your strength among the peoples. You have, by your power, redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were in anguish. The depths also troubled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth a sound. Your arrows flashed here and there. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea and your path in the mighty waters and your footprint may not be known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now Psalm 78. God's guidance of his people in spirit and their, of their unfaithfulness. Listen, O Lord, my people, to my instruction. Incline your ear to my words, to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from our children, but tell them to the generations to come. And praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonders works and his wondrous works that he has done. For he has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, 
which he commanded our fathers, that they should reach them, that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know, even the, the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children, that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the work of God, but keep his commandments and not be like their forefathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. The sons of Ephraim were the archers equipped with bows, yet they turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God. They refused to walk in his law, and they forgot his deeds and his miracles that he had shown them. He wrought wonders before their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters stand up like a heap. Then he led them with the cloud by day and all the night with the light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them abundant drink like the ocean depths. He brought forth streams also from the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. Yet they still continued to sin against him, to rebel against the Most High in the desert. And in their heart they put God to the test by asking food according to their desire. And they spake against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out and streams were overflowing. Can he give bread also? Will he provide meat for his people? Therefore the Lord heard and was full of wrath, and a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also mounted against Israel, because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. Yet he commanded the clouds above, and he opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna upon them to eat and gave them food from heaven. Man did eat of the bread of angels. He sent them food in abundance. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens, and by his power he directed the south wind, and he rained meat upon them like the dust, even winged fowl like the sand of the sea. Then he let them fall in the midst of their camp, round about their dwellings, so they ate and were filled, and their desire he gave them, he gave to them, before they had satisfied their desire. While the food was still in their mouths, the anger of the Lord rose against them and killed some of their strongest ones and subdued the choice men of Israel in spirit of all this, in spite of all this, they still sinned and did not believe in the wonderful works. So he brought their days to an end of futility and their years in sudden terror. When he killed them and they sought him, then when he killed them, then they sought him and returned and searched diligently for God. And they remembered that God was their rock and that the most high God, their redeemer, but they deceived him with their mouth. And they lied to him with their tongue for their heart was not steadfast towards him, nor were they faithful in their covenant. But he being compassionate forgave their iniquity and did not destroy them. And often he restrained his anger and did not arouse his wrath. Thus he remembered that they were but flesh. A wind that passes and does not return, how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Again and again they tempted God and pained the Holy One of Israel. 
They did not remember his power. The day when he remembered, when he redeemed them from the adversary. When he performed the signs in Egypt and his, and his um, marvels in the field of Zoan. And turned the rivers to blood and their streams they could not drink. He sent among them swarms of flies which devoured them and frogs which destroyed them and gave also their crops to the grasshopper and the product of their labor to the locusts. He destroyed their vines with hailstones and their sycamore trees with frost. He gave over their cattle also to the hailstones and their herds to the, to the, bloats of, to the bolts of lightning. He sent upon them his burning anger, fury and indignation and trouble, a band of destroying angels. He leveled a path for his anger and he did not spare their soul from death but gave over their life to the plague and smote all the firstborn of Egypt the first issue of their virility in the tents of Ham and he led forth his own people like sheep he guided them in the wilderness like a flock he led them safely so that they did not fear but the sea engulfed their enemies so he brought them to the Holy Land, to this hill country, which his right hand had gained. He also drove out the nations before them and appointed them for an inheritance by measurement. And he made the tribes of Israel dwell in their tents, yet they tempted and rebelled against the Most High God. They did not keep his testimonies, but turned back and acted treacherously like their fathers. They turned aside like the treacherous, like a treacherous bow. And they provoked him with their high places and aroused his jealousy with their graven images. When God heard, he was filled with wrath and greatly abhorred Israel, so that he abandoned the dwelling place at, at Shiloh, the tent which his, had pitched among them. And he gave up his strength to captivity and his glory into the hand of the adversaries. He also delivered his people to the sword and and was filled with wrath at his inheritance. Fire devoured his young men, and the virgins had no wedding songs. His priests fell by the sword, and his widows could not weep. Then the Lord awoke from his sleep like a warrior overcome with wine. He drove his adversaries backwards. He put them uh, he put on them an everlasting reproach. He also rejected the tent of Joseph and did not choose the tribe of Ephraim but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved, and he built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth, which he founded forever. He also chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds and from the care of the ewes with the suckling lambs. He brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them with skillful hands. Long song, <laughs> 73 verses. That's a big song, 72 verses. Talking of God's faithfulness to Israel, basically, and Israel's unfaithfulness to God, recounting all the great acts of God, was, again, these are written to remind Israel of God's mercy, his grace, but also his holiness, that God was the creator of the world. You see these amazing descriptions of the creation and his power over the elements, his power over the world. And you see him, his power over the enemy. 
and the things he did in Egypt to bring his people out and how he always desired to, to act as a, as a shepherd to them and guide them. But of course they rebelled. And then he dealt with their rebellion and their unfaithfulness to him. And he chose out of those, the, the, again, we looked at this yesterday with um, uh, Chronicles, the, describing the tribes and how Reuben was the firstborn, but he was not chosen. And that the tribe of Judah was chosen out of all the Israelites. Um, of course, Judah was that one tribe as well that, um, that Moses came out of. And Aaron, they were faithful during the time after the, the big fiasco with the, the, um, the golden calf. They had kind of redeemed themselves in that time. The Levites came out of that tribe and they uh, established themselves. But more than that, David now comes out of that tribe. And David is the one that was a shepherd who God says he knows how to shepherd sheep. He will also have the right heart to shepherd his people. And so this is bringing a, a, an understanding to Israel as a whole, why God chose Jacob. I'm sorry, he did choose Jacob. He chose Jacob as his nation, as Israel. But why he chose Judah uh, over these other nations in his justice and in his mercy because of their rebellion, because of their hard-heartedness and not, uh, not obeying him and uh, uh, especially as we see Saul was not uh, the verse king obedient to the Lord as well. So now we jump over to Mark 15, Jesus before Pilate. Early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and the scribes of the whole council immediately held a consultation and binding Jesus, they led him away and delivered him to Pilate. Pilate questioned him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, it is as you say. The chief priests began to accuse him harshly. Then Pilate questioned him again, saying, Do you not answer? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer. So Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, he used to release for them any one prisoner whom they requested. A man named Barabbas had been imprisoned with the insurrection, who had committed murder in the insurrection. The crowd went up and began asking him to be as uh, as he had been accustomed to do for them. Verse 9, Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he was aware that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to ask him to release Barabbas for them instead. Answered again, Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, Crucify him. So Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? And they shouted all the more, Crucify him. Wishing to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas from them. And after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. When the soldiers took him away into the place, that is the praetorium, they called together the whole Roman cohort. They dressed him up in purple, and after twisting a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to acclaim him. Hail, king of the Jews. They kept beating his head with the reed and spitting on him and kneeling and bowing before him. After they had mocked him, they took the purple robe off of him 
and put it on his own garments on him, and they led him out to crucify him. They pressed into service a passerby coming from the country, Simon the Cy- of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear the cross. Then they brought him to the place, to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of the skull. They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided up his garments along them, among themselves, casting lots for them to decide what each man should take. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, King of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on the right and one on the left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which said he was numbered among the transgressors. Those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, Ha, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, among, along with the scribes, were mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, now come down from the cross so that we may see and believe those who were crucified with him, were also insulting him. When the sixth hour came, darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. In the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud, loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, he began saying, Behold, he is calling for Elijah. Someone ran and filled the sponge with sour wine, put it on a, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, let us see whether Elijah will come and take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Then the centurion who was standing right in front of him, when he saw, uh, when the centurion was standing right in front of him, saw the way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. There were also some women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the less, and Joses and Salome. When he was in the, in the Galilee, they used to follow him and minister to him. And there were many other women also uh, who came up with him to Jerusalem. When evening had already come, because it was the preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea came, a prominent member of the council, who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. And he gathered up coverage, gathered up courage, and went in before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate wondered if he was dead by this time. And summoning the centurion, he questioned him as to whether he was already dead. And ascertaining this from the centurion, he granted the pot, the body to Joseph. Joseph brought the linen cloth, took him down, wrapped him in the linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb which he had been, which had been hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were looking on to see where he was laid. It's interesting that Mary Magdalene. And Mary the mother of Joseph followed the body to the tomb. We don't see that they have any contact uh, at this point 
with Joseph, but they follow to see where he was laid. Why? Why bother? Well, we know from the next account as we continue reading that Mary wanted to come back to minister to his body and minister to him in life. It's interesting the fact that it even says it is possible to minister to Jesus. That was always a weird concept when I first got saved. We as believers can minister to the Lord. Uh, he receives our praise, our, our prayers. Uh, we can come before him with thanksgiving. And in these ways, we minister to him. She wanted to minister to him in death as she had been, as she had done in life. And what this is, is real worship. She had a faith that surpassed her understanding of, of everything that was going on. She was convinced that he was the Messiah. She was convinced he was from God. And so even though he was dead, she didn't look at it from a human reasoning standpoint. Well, he's dead. That must mean it was all wrong. It must mean that it's not happening. No, she could look beyond that because she understood that he came from heaven and that his kingdom was not of this world. It was of a different world. Did she understand how that all works? No, I doubt it. Did she understand that he was going to raise again the third day? Probably not, but there's a hint that there, there may have been that remnant of the memory that he said he was going to rise again on the third day. And that kind of distant hope in her heart was, could, maybe could it be? Probably a doubting, but she still continued to maintain her faith in him. Normally, if somebody promises you something, I'm going to be king and I'm going to do this and I'm going to establish this and then they die, you go, well, they were wrong. They were, they were egotistical or they were um, uh, somehow deceived themselves. And Jesus said that he would establish his kingdom. Jesus said that he had come from God and that, and that he had come to the earth so that we might receive life, that we might receive it abundantly. And he had spoken all these things and yet he was dead. But there were certain people, Joseph, who took the body down, why bother? If it, if it was all a hoax, he put everything on the line as a Pharisee, exposed himself to be ridiculed, cast out of a synagogue and, and uh, ruin his life by taking that body and putting it in his own tomb. This was a strong statement that he said, my life is bound up with my Messiah, whether in life or in death. He had made that statement boldly. And so we see people beginning to minister to Jesus and worship him as seemingly all hope had been lost because they maintained a belief in something greater than this earth, greater than this life. They understood that there was another life and they put their faith in that. They put their faith in the words of Jesus that he could take them beyond this world into another world and beyond themselves into a deeper understanding of God if they would trust in him. And if this was Jesus had been preparing them for this, that to trust him by faith and not by sight, that he would guide them. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. So I love these accounts of going of the actual death and looking at the people who could still maintain a faith in Jesus at the time of his death when all hope seemed to have been lost. Very powerful, very encouraging for us. And of course, we have a... Greater are we, the Bible says, who uh, have not seen and yet believe. You see, we have that same kind of situation of 
Mary and Joseph, we have a, a, almost a greater blessing, the Bible says, because we've chosen to believe that everything Jesus said was true. He was the Messiah. And yes, he did die, but we believe and we, we have the account that he rose again and conquered death. Very encouraging. So now we'll look over into Charles Spurgeon today, June 3rd, my wife's birthday, by the way, um, on sure-footedness. The Lord our God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me walk upon mine high places, Habakkuk 3.19. The confidence of the man of God is tantamount to the promise for that which faith has persuaded of this, is persuaded of this, the purpose of God. The prophet had to traverse the deep places of poverty and famine, but he went downhill without slipping, for the Lord gave him standing. By and by, he was called to the high places of the hills of conflict, and he was no more afraid to go up than to go down. See, the Lord lent him strength. Nay, Jehovah himself, his strength. Think of that. The Almighty God himself becomes our strength. Note that the Lord also gave him sure-footedness. The hinds leap over rock and crags, never missing their footsteps. Our Lord will give us grace to follow the most difficult paths of duty without a stumble. He can fit our foot for the crags so that we shall be at home, where apart from God we should perish. One of these days, we shall be called to higher places still. Up yonder we shall climb even to the mount of God, the high places where the shining one has gathered. Oh, what feet are the feet of faith by which following the hind of the morning, we shall ascend into the hill of the Lord. Beautiful. Sure-footedness of the believer, basically. The understanding that God has given us stability in our life in the difficult times and the easy times. Times he'll call us to, to ascend to difficult but beautiful high places. And when there is a slippery slope and the world is going to hell in a handbasket and everybody is flowing in that same direction of, um, we should say, really rebelliousness and liberality and everything immoral, he's given us the sure-footedness to stand and not slip with the rest of those around us. If we would choose to continue to follow by faith. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for guiding us in your word and giving us these beautiful words of exhortation, the beautiful Psalms, the beautiful recounting of the, the guidance uh, of Israel you guiding and leading them, desiring to have a relationship with them. And now in the New Testament, God, seeing why you did all that so that you could then come and establish not only a relationship with the nation, but a relationship personally, one-on-one, -on -one, through Jesus who called that whosoever would follow him and give their life to him would be saved. And we see him going to the cross in, in these gospel accounts now. And the way that he willingly went without a word, without putting up a fight, he laid his life down so that we could receive it, so that we could be redeemed, so we could pick it up again. 
and receive the glorious redemption of God. And it's so amazing to see the people who believed in that and were willing to, to stay near him, even in his death, knowing that there was something greater, there was something greater for themselves and something more blessed, even in the death of Jesus, not understanding the full resurrection power that was about to come. So thank you for them. Thank you for all that. We understand by that. And God, we thank you for the glorious resurrection I will be reading about. that Jesus had to die so that he could conquer death, so he could claim his victory, and so that we could rise with him. And Father, we want to remember the people that are being, um, they're having difficult times in northern New Mexico from that huge fire, the, the three firemen that were injured yesterday, sadly, from the helicopter dropping water, and uh, one severely injured. God, we pray for his life, that you would save it, that you would help the doctors reconstruct his facial bones and everything that was that was crushed, and help him, God, to be saved. Obviously, a strong man. We pray that his family would be nearby and Father, in the, in the time that he is unconscious and in the hospital, you would minister to him in spirit. And he could find you, God, in the inner man, that he would be somehow brought close to you through this tragedy, as well as his family. And for the other two, God, that we're injured, pray for speedy recovery. And we pray, that you, God, you would grant us favor and put out the fire, bring your rain. This has been some forecast, God. We bring the rain, stop the wind, and stop that fire, God, with all that devastation. We pray, God, you continue to do a marvelous work through those that are seeking healing for their cancer. And I pray that you would touch their bodies. Pray for all, God, that are being diagnosed with various illnesses. That the, the first time they find out, Father, that they would not waver in their faith. And they would not fall into the, this, the pattern so many of us do of becoming angry questioning why, that they would simply acknowledge that you're the God of all creation, you're the God of our bodies, and the God who is healer. But we surrender, God, unto you and for your guidance. And, and um, Father, you, you're sovereign, even over our health. So we, we want to walk in faith, God. We desire to, to trust you for healing, but it's not always your will. So give us discernment. Give us understanding whether you choose to minister to people around us through our health or through our hurting. Give us the ability, God, to see where you are leading us and to be your servants no matter what, to know your grace is sufficient. So we pray for those dealing with health issues now. We pray for those that are going out uh, and sharing your word. Thank you for the evangelism team, God, that went out there sharing your faith pray for fruit, God, that people would come in. For Jaswana's baby, God, we thank you for the new baby and the new life you brought in, Father, into our into our little little group, our little family. Um, thank you for that precious life. And uh, God, we pray you continue to grow our fellowship in Viardi and online, God, thank you for our family here in Matter for Breakfast, that you are growing our family and that we're seeing connections, Father, and people being blessed, people growing in your word. God, thank you for the power of your word and for the power of your Holy Spirit to transform our lives and bring us deeper in our walk with you. So bless us, Father. Bless Renee this day, her birthday, God. Thank you for giving me her. Thank you for giving us, God, 
her uh, Renee, you know, celebrating her life and um, and that she has been a faithful servant to you, God, and you've used her in so many so many ways. Uh, couldn't do what we do without her. So thank you for for um, the blessing we have. And God, I pray you grant her healing in her body, strength in her body, God, that you would cause her to to walk before you as that beautiful servant that she is with a surpassing peace, God, knowing your peace and your goodness. And God, just use her in mighty ways. Continue to use her in mighty ways as you have. Just such a love for you, God, such a love for evangelism to see people touch the, the love she has for children, God, is, is uh, inspiring and contagious. So thank you, God, for using her to bring so many others into a, a deeper walk in their life. And bless her greatly, God, um, my wife this day, who I love very much. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, everybody, thank you. We will keep this going tomorrow. I think at the same time, I'm going to be flexible because we're doing a lot of things as we are running around and enjoying our little vacation time. So uh, probably be the same time, but it might be early. Just check it a little early and see if I'm on or not. So we will see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye.